0: My name's Dave, if you don't know me, and I spend a lot of time here. I've been here since many, many years. Um, We've been talking, if you've been coming regularly on Sunday mornings, which, um, well done if you have, it's good to keep on coming. Um, We've been talking about making Jesus famous and about reaching out and Just into the city, and into Greater Manchester, making his name famous is actually... Making Jesus famous is is like a uh, a subtitle of King's Church in Greater Manchester, making Jesus famous. And Richard's talked about that, I've talked about it, different ways that we do it. And today I want us to look at how we can make Jesus famous by our holiness. Um, Jesus said to those who were following him in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, he said, You are the light of the world. He said it hmm. about himself, but he also said it about those that followed him. He said, you are the light of the world. And then he said in Matthew five sixteen, let your light shine yeah. before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hmm. So you get this. Jesus says about you, because we're followers of Jesus, and if you're not, you can become one today. Seriously confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved. But today, I want to focus on those who are already following Jesus and say, what Jesus says to you is, you are the light of the world. Say to the person next to you, I'm actually the light of the world. the light of the world. And Jesus says, let your light shine. You know, sometimes as believers, we actually believe we're the light of the world, but we don't go on to thinking about how we can make our light shine. Or it seems out of reach for us. And sometimes some of the preaching and teaching that we get about healing the sick, which is so, so important, and I'm not wanting at all to negate any of that, but I'm wanting to focus on something different this morning. But sometimes we feel, oh, I can't heal the sick, I can't do greater works than Jesus. Therefore, I can't let my light shine. I want us to understand my aim in preaching this morning is that we all understand we can let our light shine Uh, outside of this building, outside of this meeting place. In actual fact, it's really, really, really important that we do because Jesus says, let your light shine, show your good deeds before others that they may glorify your Father in heaven. When you are good and do good, The Father is glorified in heaven. Are you following this? Holiness is not about wearing a black suit and a black tie and carrying a big black heavy Bible under your arm and going and knocking on someone's door and saying, I'm really holy, here's a leaflet, how you could be holy too. No, it's not that. Holiness is about being good and doing good. And that is something that is really, really attractive. Can you all just think back for a minute of the last time you were good and did something good? Um, You know, I can think of times, uh, I'm going back with an example. Philippa and myself, um, when we took Jess, our daughter, to Manchester Airport one time when she was going to Canada, uh, we checked her in and she was going to Canada for Bible school for a year And we checked her in at the check-in desk, and there was a couple round about our age, just alongside us, and they clearly looked a bit upset. We checked in Jess, this was all about sending Jess off to Canada... She was crying, Philippa was crying, I was waving her off as she went up the escalators on Terminal 2. And Philippa said, perhaps we can't just go away now, we need to actually have a cup of coffee so we know she's actually gone. I said, she's gone through security, of course we can go. Philippa said, no, we need to make sure she's gone before we leave the airport. I don't know what she thought we'd have done. If it, but anyway, we went downstairs, we, we, we went to this um, coffee shop, and there again were this couple Next, who we'd seen at the check-in, who looked a bit sad. And this time, they'd even got tears in their eyes, and they looked li- really distressed. Philippa says to me, why don't you go and ask them what the matter is? Well, oh, not my business. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I went. I went, and I said to them, is everything all right? And they, they, they said to me, well, it's a problem. We've travelled all this morning from the northeast of England, from Sunderland, uh, uh, and we've come to Manchester Airport to catch a plane to go out to Kenya, uh, and, and we've just heard the flight has been delayed for seven hours. Part of me wanted to say, well, grow up, get over it. You know, these things happen. I've been stuck in an airport for seven hours and more. Uh, and then I thought, well, something came over me. And this is, it's sad that I have to go so far back to find an example of being good. But, but something came over me. And, and I suddenly thought, I thought, you know what? Jess has gone, double bed. Here's a couple that got up really early in the morning tired. I said, I found myself saying to them, do you know what? I said, you could come back to our house we've got a bed, you can, we can give you some lunch and then we'll take you back to the airport later on. You can have a real rest before you start And they looked at me and they were, oh, thank you so much. I, I never expected them to say yes. And, <laughs> but it, it, they, they, they did. So Jesse's sheets were still warm. The next thing, there we are, Got all these complete strangers, never met them before. They're lying on Jesse's bed, having a sleep. We're giving them breakfast, we're giving them lunch. I'm driving them back. Later on in the day, they sat in the garden. It was a sunny day. I'm driving them back later on to the airport, much later on in the day. I'm driving back to them and they say to me, You know what? You've restored our faith in human nature. (laughs) Uh, And I, well, I thought, amazing. And I I didn't bash them with the Bible. I didn't preach at them. All I did was something good. They said, Why do you do it? I said, Well, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And I said, It's what I expect He'd want me to do. And Uh, uh, and they said wow that's strange we've got some friends who go to a happy clappy church in Sunderland (laughs) uh, and they've invited us to go to something called an alpha course I said well perhaps you should go to it it'd be really good that's all we said and off wave them goodbye they sent us a postcard later on when they got to Kenya just thanking us again for what we did it was something attractive about not putting myself about being good and doing good it wasn't laying hands on them. It wasn't prophesying something. It wasn't even having a word of knowledge about something. I had to ask them what the matter was. Um, just hold it there about holiness is being good and doing good. I believe that day I was holy. That's, can, we, can we get a good picture of holiness? It's not about I'm holy I come every Sunday. I mean it's good to come every Sunday, but that is not ho- holiness is about who you are. It's about something of the heart, about something deep down called character, something called down, deep down called integrity. It's about when nobody's watching, when, when you can't get up and tell the story like I can years later and look good. <laughs> it's not about looking good, it's about being good. Um, this church, community started 32 years ago. Zeta, stand up Zeta. We always give Zeta a round of applause for any excuse. No, any excuse. Give her a round of applause. Zeta was there right at the start. Joan and Joseph also right at the start. People like Philippa Clark, as she was joining very soon. Liz, Liz, Liz Heron is not here. But, but you know, these people were right there from the very start. 32 years ago. As a church community, we've been going 32 years. The vision, the the, the prophetic vision that was given to this church community right at the very start is that this church here in this building, there would be like a fire burning. And from here, there'd be bonfires planted out all over the city. Here we are. 32 years later, we see something happening in Longsight. We see them doing things like litter picking, people coming in and amaze and bringing chocolates to the Longsight congregation, saying, fantastic, thank you for doing that. We see people. We see things happening in Swinton, where the Swinton community is. We see them doing things like the Eden bus. 150 children coming, trying to crowd in on the bus, the Message Eden bus. Wonderful things happening there. We see things happening in Manchester Evening site, them going out and leafleting on Hume. We see things like, even from this site, we see Seeming like the students going out and giving out bottles of water on a, to nightclubbers on a Friday night, and things happening. What's happening is, as communities, we're starting fires and letting light shine, and people are praising God. 1986 years ago uh, was the day of Pentecost, um, the New Covenant Church was started. On that day, night, when they were all gathered in the upper room, sound of the mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, speaking in languages they hadn't got GCSEs in. And, and, And suddenly, you know, people spilling out on the streets, Peter preaching, this is that, that the prophet Joel prophesied 700 years earlier. And the new covenant church was born. Thousands added to the church all of a sudden. 32 years after that. 32 years on. You get in the picture? So we're going from their Pentecost, 1986 years ago, 32 years later, 1954 years ago, a man who had had a dramatic encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ called Paul had had been somebody who'd gone around spreading that fire of the Spirit, lighting fires wherever he went. He'd ended up being imprisoned in Rome. He actually had two periods of being imprisoned in Rome, the first one had come to an end and he'd gone from Rome and he'd sailed to Crete and in Crete, he'd, in Crete, <laughs> in Crete, thanks, in Crete, he'd, he'd, he'd started to preach the gospel, the good news, gossip the gospel with others that were there and then he'd left from there to go to Ephesus This is in 1954 years ago, 32 years after the church, New Covenant Church was born. He'd gone to Ephesus because he'd been earlier to Ephesus and there were problems. The church there had been going for 12 years and there were already problems in the church. Can you believe it? Problems in the church? Surely not. Uh, But he'd had to go there because some of the leaders had been starting to teach people that in order to be a Christian, you needed to be a follower of Jesus, you needed to be circumcised. (laughs) awful (laughs) bad news for men Um, but 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 that's what he'd been preaching people had been preaching Paul was going there to address that he then went on from there from Ephesus on to Macedonia that province there uh, and he started to write some letters and what's wonderful is we get to read other people's posts And what Paul did is he left in Crete, where it was completely new churches. This was a new start, new fresh start. He left a good friend of his, someone who he called a spiritual son, called Titus. He left him in Crete, and he asked him to sort out the new churches that were on the island of Crete. Now, it's very interesting, because this is 32 years on. From the churches, from the new covenant church being born. Here's some new churches being started in Crete. We can read that email. We can read that letter in our Bibles, in our New Testaments, the, the, the epistle of Paul to Titus. And we can read it and we can find out, Paul after having seen things after having started churches all over what is really important getting towards the end of your life now what really really matters when we're talking about a church community what really 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 is important above anything else you're writing you're wanting you've seen mistakes made in Ephesus what is it that really matters as you write to Titus about the things that are going on in Crete what's important to you Paul uh, and Paul what we discover when he writes to Titus, and we can all read it, and if you want to find it, actually turn in your Bibles to Titus. So if you go into your New Testament, go towards the sort of end half of the New Testament, you'll probably find Hebrews, and then go backwards. You've got Philemon, and then you've got Titus before that. And he writes to Titus in chapter 1. He, he says he's writing to him. Uh, And he also writes a similar letter around about the same time. He writes a letter to Timothy, who's, remember, is in Ephesus having to sort out the problem with the churches that are 12 years old and struggling. But he writes a similar sort of thing to Timothy and to Titus. He writes to them about what's really important is we get the whole issue of church leaders sorted out. That leaders, it matters who the leaders are. So he writes to Timothy about qualifications for leading a church community, and he writes to Titus about it. They're, they're almost identical. The difference is when he's writing to Timothy in Ephesus, because the churches are 12 years old, he says the leader mustn't be a recent convert. When he writes to Titus, he can't say that because everybody in the church community is a recent convert. But look at what he says to them. If you look at um, you know, verse 2, uh, of um, in um, Titus chapter chapter one, uh, and uh, you know you look at it uh, and verse five, sorry, verse five. Look at the things that he says about the leaders. He doesn't say, "Oh, to be a leader in the church, you must have a degree in theology." He doesn't say. You must have led a connect group for five years before you can lead the church. He doesn't say you must prophesy often. He doesn't say they must heal the sick. He doesn't say they've got to sing well. They must know how to play a guitar. He he doesn't say, will they be happy with the pay they give him? Non-issue, because there was no pay for them, nor was there for Paul. And so he's looking at these things. Look what he says. I'm reading it from the message, chapter 1, verse 5. He says, appoint leaders in every town according to my instructions. As you select them, ask Here we go, this is what's important. Is this man or woman, because we believe women can be leaders as well, well thought of? Um, Is he committed to his wife? Are his children believers? Do they respect him and stay out of trouble? It's important, here's it goes, this is what I want us to focus in on. It's important that a church leader be responsible for the affairs in God's house. Be looked up to, not pushy, not short-tempered, not a drunk, not a bully, not money hungry, He must welcome people, be helpful, wise, fair, reverent, and have a good grip on himself. Let me put it to you. What he's saying here is that the church leaders need to be people who are good and do good. Titus, let's get this clear. He writes a similar thing, as I said, to to Timothy in Ephesus where it's already gone a bit awry. But it's not about how gifted or opinionated they are. It's not about uh, that sort of thing. It's it's from what you can see, Titus, who's the person who actually welcomes the new faces? Who's the person who puts the cups away? Who's the person who makes coffee for everyone else? Who's the person who tidies up when everybody else rushes off home because they want to get to lunch? Who's the person who turns up on time? Who's the person who, when they've said they're going to do something, they do it? It's all about integrity. It's about character. And he's saying, This is really important, we get this right for leaders. Um, so, having got that out of the way, As we carry on reading this letter to Titus, we begin to notice it isn't just for leaders, this. This is for every member of the church community. It's massively important. If we're going to get this right in Crete, and we're not going to make the same mistakes that happened in Ephesus, it's massively important that everybody gets this message. We're a people who are called to be good and do good. We're a people who are called to be holy. You see, Seven years earlier, he'd written to the church in Corinth, and he'd written a lot about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, but right in the middle of that, there's chapter 13, which is all about love, which is all about character. I want to put it to you that character, in the church of Jesus Christ, character is more important than gifting. And it's certainly more important than putting on a religious show. Who you are deep down really, really matters. And if we want to be a people who make Jesus famous, we have to be people of integrity, people of holy character. There has to be holiness rooted deep down in us. You see, as we said, what was happening in Ephesus, there were leaders who were beginning to accept a teaching that said you've got to put on this outward show of actually getting circumcised if you... Outward show. Outward show outward behavior, outward appearance. I often say, I'm not ashamed to say, I love Philippa very much. Uh, You don't have to say, oh, every time. I'm often saying it. You've got used to it by now. I love her very much. I am so glad I got to know her as it happened in a a little village in the middle of Congo where she lived next door to me as as a neighbor. And she could not buy, even if she wanted to, loads of makeup. She could not buy false eyelashes. Don't feel under condemnation if you've got them on this morning. But she couldn't do that. There was something very natural about her beauty, her demeanor, that attracted me to her. There was nothing external. You get that? Um, I mean, I like it when she looks good. <laughs> Let's just, just be saying it. Um, but. but But there was nothing, I fell in love with something of a genuine, no outward appearance. You get that? Uh, So please, you know, do wear your false eyelashes if you want to. You can do that, Norman. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Uh, it's, It's something, and you know, it's the same sort of thing when we talk about holiness you know, circumcision was like putting on the false eyelashes. No, actually, that doesn't make you attractive. Actually, Bible bashing somebody doesn't make the name of Jesus attractive. Actually, getting a megaphone and shouting out, you're on your way to hell, even if there's truth in it, is not making Jesus famous. Holiness is something far more genuine. And Paul, as he writes this letter um, to Titus in Crete, he's showing its holiness is all about being good and doing good. So just follow it. If you've got Bibles open, follow it. And please do bring your Bibles and follow it, uh, or on your phone even. But look at chapter 2, verse 7. First of all, he addresses Titus, and he tells him, he says this, show yourself in everything. Set them an example by doing what is Good. Anybody following it? Just finish the sentences off. Where's Emma etuk when you need her? By doing what is good. Yeah? Paul says, you know, as well in look, chapter 2, verse 14, that the good news is all about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. Our God and Savior, chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us, dot, 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 to purify for himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for doing? Thank you. Zealous for doing good. Paul says to Titus in chapter 3, verse 1, look, remind these new Christians who you've got responsibility for that they be ready for doing He says it again in chapter 3, verse 8, that actually, are you a Christian? Do you want to know if you're a Christian? If you're a Christian, we can tell if you're one because doing good is evidence that you're a Christian. And he says in chapter 3, verse 1, that they, chapter 3, verse 8, that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Devoted, devoted. It's something that fills up all my time. I'm devoted. I want to do good. Tomorrow, Monday, I want to do good. This is what he was wanting the Cretans to think like. In chapter 3, verse 14, our people must learn. This is what you've got to teach them, Titus. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. So Paul saying to Titus, if, if we want to make Jesus famous, if we want to evangelize, if we want people who don't enjoy God yet to start enjoying him, it's absolutely vital that people have good character. They must be good and do good. Um, Gavin White, as many of you know, um, on the leadership team of this church, and, but he's an example, just an example of a King's Church member Being good and doing good. He's been for 10 years, uh, served as a uh, a governor on his local primary school. And he told me the other day how every time they have Ofsted come in, uh, teachers can all boo when I say Ofsted. (laughs) Every time they have the inspectors come in, Ofsted come in, Gavin always makes sure there are tins of biscuits every day in the staff room for the teachers. You know what? That's being good and doing good. That's being good and doing good. It so says the teachers absolutely love it and appreciate it. So if it's been two or three times in the 10 years when they've had Ofsted in, Gavin's always done that. Um, wonder We've got uh, some more examples here amongst us. People have been good and done good. Come on, Graham. You've got one. I can see he's itching to come out here. <laughs> no, I asked him beforehand. Oh, Graham and Ruth coming out. Um, so, three years ago, we moved away from a situation where we had a challenging neighbour situation. Now we have very good neighbours. Uh, and a few weeks ago, um, our neighbour Sue, who lives on her own, came round and said, uh, could we help put, the f- put a new fence panel up? So, Or some new fence panel. So, Emily and I went round and did that. OK, mine's a little bit more odd. The same neighbour has uh, bats nesting in her roof. They're a protected species and she hates them and often they get in her lounge. Whenever they get into her lounge, I go round and help get the bats out. (laughs) Fantastic. Simple stories of people being good and doing good. Doing the good they can do because of who they are. Yeah? We'll hear some more stories later on. I want to carry on. So, 1954 years ago... Paul was writing to Titus that if the believers understand that, they will stand out in contrast to the inhabitants of Crete, who Paul, in a non-PC way, said that they said about themselves. It wasn't what Paul was saying about them. He says they say this about themselves, that all Cretans are liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. One of the most non PC things you'll read in the Bible, there. But, but it's what Paul said they said about themselves. They said, where you've got people living like that, he wrote to the Philippians something similar, where they were living in a, in a culture of honored and, and, and revered um, uh, Claudius, the emperor, and said, He is Lord. That, 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 that where you stand, where you come in a contrary spirit to that culture, you can shine like stars in a dark universe because you do good and because you are good. You see, what I want us to understand is that Paul's prophetic vision for the followers of Jesus in Crete, for these new church communities, Paul getting towards the end of his life with tons of experience of being a church leader, of being an apostle of Jesus Christ, that his emphasis is not so much on spiritual gifts, as important as they are, but in the letter to Titus, the emphasis is on people being good and doing good. Because you can pray and prophesy, lay hands on people, have words of knowledge till you're blue in the face. But if you aren't good and do good, it's not going to do any good. Um, You see, it's not about the outward religious stuff. It's not about getting circumcised. It's not about having big evangelistic rallies. It's not even about worshipping on the streets, says Paul. It's not even about giving out leaflets. It's about being good and doing good so you stand out. lights that shine in a dark universe. I said the last time I preached that nowhere does Paul give any command in the New Testament to evangelize. But he stresses character and doing good everywhere he writes. Um, You see, there's an expectation... That when you're in a relationship with Jesus, that there's going to be a natural overflow. You don't have to tell someone to spread the good news. When you know him and you're in relationship with him, it's something that happens. He's so wonderful, so marvelous, you can't help but gossip the good news. But uh, if that is happening and you're not being good and doing good, you're not living holy, it negates it. Everybody's still listening. Good. Um, You see, what happens when we come into the church community is there's an expectation we will be taught by leaders who are able to teach. That was one of the conditions for leadership. uh, And that's the only sort of ability gifting thing. They're able to pass on what doctrine is, what the good news is all about. And when you read chapter 2 of, uh, of um, Titus, and you read the first, he gives instructions to different sets of people. And you look at those first 10 verses, and you see words like kind, self-controlled, faithful, not arguing, not stealing, working well. And he says, teach them this so that, in chapter 2, verse 10, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour. Cretans. Be good and do good, Paul says, and you make Jesus famous by adorning the doctrine you hear from church leaders like Titus. This word adorning in Greek is kosmeo and it can be translated as embellishing. You make it look really good. You put order to it. You make it look beautiful. So you come on a Sunday morning Uh, and you hear the Word of God taught, and you think, great, I'm taking that. Now, what really matters is not the fact that I came on a Sunday morning. What's really important is I go out on Monday, and I make that doctrine look good. I adorn it. I make it look beautiful. I make the teaching about God, our Savior, look attractive. Um, And so, It isn't, uh, uh, you know, the same word is used when it's the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21, verse 2, coming from heaven as a bride adorned, cosmeo, embellished for a husband. And Peter uses the word in 1 Peter 3, verse 5, he says, women can look pretty good, not when they nip off to the Trafford Centre and get the latest Gucci Gucci handbook, handbag. (laughs) um, But in the way, they're good to their husbands. Philippa says she can do both, but that's... Paul in his letter to Titus on Crete, he doesn't address Titus, this is how long the teaching should be, this is how long the worship should be, he doesn't, this is how the kids' work should be run, he doesn't talk about those things, this is how you should organise a stewarding teams. no, he says the really important things are that it's about good character and actions coming from good character. Um, you see, how... Can we today, living in Greater Manchester, make the teaching of God, our Saviour, look good? How can we make holiness look attractive? I want us to understand something. There are 168 hours in a week. I heard Neil Hudson say this. I could have worked it out myself, I suppose. But, but he said this. That Assume 48 hours are spent sleeping. That leaves um, 10 uh, if you you know if you do ten hours a week on church activities, um wow, that's quite a bit, but if you did that, ten hours a week on church activities, you know imagine you had one hundred and ten hours a week left then for leisure, for work and for family, non sleeping hours when you're active, you're doing bits and pieces uh, now. When we talk about discipleship, when we talk about being trained to be good and do good, we often think about the 10 hours a week, I need church activities, it's having a one-to-one with a church leader, a cup of coffee, and him discipling me, asking me how often I'm reading the Bible. No, let's change our thinking about that, and think that we can, because Paul writes to to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, he says, train yourself to be godly that the actual working out and the practice of good doctrine, of good teaching, is something we train ourselves to do, not in the 10 hours when we're in church activities, but in the 110 when we're away from our church friends and family, most of us. That's when we train ourselves to be godly. Um, So hopefully, you know, for example, patience. Where are you going to work? At? You hear somebody come and bring a message about patience and how good it is to be patient, how it's a Christian virtue, how it's really important with patience. Where are you going to learn patience? Hopefully, it's going to be in the 110 more than in the 10. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, where are you going to learn about Gossip. Uh, you know, don't gossip, don't gossip, don't backbite, don't jump on people to criticize them every time you think they've done something wrong. Where are you going to learn? to? Not in the church activities. It's going to be in the 110 hours. Someone in this morning site here works as a receptionist and was telling me how at work um, she's, older and there's two younger receptionists who work alongside her. There's a rush on in the workplace that she's in. As soon as the rush subsides, the younger receptionists start gossiping one to another. She doesn't join in. What's she doing? She's doing something. She's making a statement about being good and doing good. She's outworking Christian doctrine. She's outworking it in the 110 hours. Are you following me? You're getting this. This is, where it, this is where the rubber hits the road. Um, you, you know, what about steadfastness? What about endurance? What about stickability? This is faithfulness. What the Bible says is a fruit of the Spirit. It really matters, guys, that we're faithful. Not that we're full of faith, but we're faithful. We're persistent. That endurance, that stickability maintains. What happens when you've got a job and... The inspection team is coming in. Do you pull a sickie when pressure's on the work team at work? Or do you say, actually, I'm coming in, even though I'm feeling a bit under the weather, I'm going to keep at it. That's being good. That's holiness. That's practical holiness. What happens when, you know, that job that you feel, you're paying your bills, but that job that you do, it, hey, come on, let's be honest a minute. It threatens to rob you, not just of your self-worth, but of your sanity. But it's paying bills. What do you do? Do you keep on going? Yeah, you keep on going until you've got another job. Because you understand about stickability. You understand about faithfulness. That's where you work it out. It's not in the Sunday morning meeting. It's in the cut and frost of the 110 hours that your character is developed and you do good and you be good. You know, when it's at work... um, And the person who went before you at the workplace has just finished the pot of coffee and not bothered to make a new one. What do you do? Just make a new one. Yeah? What happens when you're taking the last cup out of the pot? Do you think about others and think, actually, I can... You understand, some of you don't, might not like this preaching, because, but it's so important. It, I'm not at all, by all means, let's have words of knowledge, Do, move in the supernatural. Absolutely. But it's so, so important we get this. Paul wrote a whole letter to Titus that we get these things matter. It's about integrity, about your character. If we're going to make Jesus famous, we actually negate all our efforts. And anything else we do, if we are people who are, do good and people who are good, it's a true holiness. Uh, true holiness is I'm in total control. You, you know, I can decide to be good and do good tomorrow at 11 o'clock. You can say, I'm going to, I'm going to, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be good and do good. I'm going to do something. When other people start backbiting, when other people start criticizing, I'm not going to join in. Uh, I'm going to be good. And do good. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to apply for that job. I'm going to apply for but whatever it is that God's speaking to you. I want to be good and do good. Can we just close our eyes and just ask the Holy Spirit for this practical teaching. I was going to get some other people to give stories as well, but there's, there's stories about people who've gone and helped Elderly neighbors. There's a couple in this site as well who've, who've moved into an area where people just weren't talking to them uh, and they just started inviting them in for meals and changed the atmosphere. Just nothing supernatural, but something that's very much coming from who they are within their character, which is not mere men, uh, but, but people who are changed and transformed. So just close your eyes. I'm going to say some words that Jesus has said in a paraphrased way, and I want us to apply them this week. I want us to train ourselves to be godly. I want us to to embellish the doctrine. How can we make this look good? You know, based on John 17, verse 8, I want us to, to confess this. Even as I say it, just say amen in your own heart, that the life of Christ is on display in me. That means the life of the Father is on display on me by the Spirit. He's on display in you. The life of Christ is on display. Based on Matthew 5.13, I am salt, bringing out God flavors everywhere I go. I don't lose my saltiness. Matthew 5.14, I'm light, bringing out God colors everywhere I go. Matthew 24, you know, as I bless overlooked and ignored people, I bless Christ. Luke 19, verse 5, I see every day as a day for Jesus by the Spirit to be a guest in my home. Matthew 7, 12, I ask myself what I'd like people to do for me, then I do it for them. My life demonstrates mercy more than sacrifice. Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, just help us right now to focus in on ways that we are going to make you famous by the good that we do, not just in the 10 hours when we're together, if it's that much, but in the 110 hours, Lord, in in, in the daily routines of life, Lord, we say let holiness be something that's attractive. Let holiness be a lifestyle amongst us, we pray. Save us ever, Lord. Deliver us from any form of hypocrisy. Deliver us from any form of just outward show, we pray. Cause us to be genuine people, genuine character, integrity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before we close, just, just, just now, just think tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning, just let's pick a time. What is it that you can do that will be good? Uh, 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 and, you know, something good that you can do to the people you'll be around at 11 o'clock. If you, if you think, well, I'm actually at home with just a kid, think, what can you do? Uh, You know, what can you do in your family? What can you do that would be good? Just think and say, Lord, I'm just committing myself to doing that now. Amen.